Good morning, everybody. I'm not arousing a good morning today. Come on, everybody say good morning. Good morning. Amen. Great to be in the house of the Lord today. And I know that God has uh, not, like, forgot about this date on his calendar. He's not uh, uh, oversleeping this morning. Just now woke up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he's... He's here with us today already, amen, and there's already been prayer going on this week, and I believe that God has us in mind this morning. I believe that he meets with his people. When we come, we're two or three, I gathered in his name, he said, I will be in the midst of them, and I know the Lord is here today, but let's, let's invite him just not to just be here, but to give purpose to what we're doing today. Would you, would you pray with me right now, Lord? This is a wonderful day, an opportunity, a gift from you this morning, God. We are thankful today for all of your goodness and blessings, and we love your word. Today we want to just absorb it. We want to receive it. We want to, to have you open it up to our hearts and to our minds today. God, that when we leave this sanctuary today, that we will be changed people, more like you, more like you want us to be. And if that happens, Lord, It'll be all to your glory. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today our subject is the sacredness of marriage. Uh, I am thankful for the privilege of having done quite a few uh, marriage ceremonies. <coughs> Helping to tie the knot. And always it is my desire, and I believe in most cases it's the couple's desire, to have God bless that union. For it to be something that is not just a contract, a piece of paper, uh, a public thing, friends are invited to more of a social thing but that it would be something that God would sanction that it would be beyond a legal proceeding beyond a, a social kind of thing that everyone recognizes but that God would bless the marriage and Biblically, God is the one who created the institution of marriage. It's not something that the government has done. It's not something, though the government may sanction or put their approval or design legal standing around those kind of things. It originated from God himself. Amen. And... It, it, it's sacred. It is, it is very, very special. For that reason, uh, we as a church do not, uh, the Bible talks about laying hands suddenly on no man, okay? Uh, in reference to uh, putting approval on of the church and sending out people to, uh, to, to ministry, to do different things. So don't, don't, do that too quickly, right? And with marriage, 
which is a lifelong bond uh, of all things that we should be careful about. It should be marriage. And so, uh, for that reason, our church has a policy that uh, we, we, if someone knocks on the door, someone comes to the church and says, could you marry us right now? We don't do that. If someone comes and says, can you marry us this Friday? We don't do that. But we have a policy that requires three sessions, a minimum of three sessions of counseling because we value the institution of marriage so highly that we don't want anybody to enter into it uh, unprepared. Now granted, none of us are ever fully prepared for marriage, but, but we don't want you to unnecessarily enter into it with false assumptions, enter into it lightly, enter into it uh, blind. We want you to pause and think about what you're doing because it is a sacred thing. And our text this morning comes from Song of Solomon chapter 8. Uh, we'll read verse 5 through 7. It says, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I raised thee up under the apple tree. There thy mother brought thee forth. There she brought thee forth that bare thee. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. That's a beautiful statement right there. Amen. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly contemned. Now as I begin to look at this passage and, and uh, meditate and dwell on it and study it, the first thing I had to do was figure out what contempt meant. Uh, because I wasn't quite sure. The context and the sound of the word kind of gave me clues, but, but it's not a word that we normally use. Uh, uh, and and what, what does he mean here to say that if a man would give all of his substance, everything in his house, for love, it would be utterly condemned. Held in contempt is what it's saying. So uh, the bottom line here is money can't buy love. If someone came to you, if you were a young single lady and some gentleman came to you and said, if you'll marry me, I'll give you $500,000. Not only would she hopefully hold that offer in contempt that he would try to buy her love, but society in general would look at that and say, that is just not right. 
That's not real love. That's not what love is about. That's not, that's not what marriage is about. And so Ephesians chapter 5 gives us a wonderful passage on, uh, on the attitudes of the husband and the wife in this union of marriage. And we use this often in marriage counseling. Of course, many people, certain words here jump out at them, and that's what they focus on. The very first word of verse 21 says, submitting yourselves one to another. Now, the first thing I would point out there is that a lot of folks think the wife is to submit to the husband and not the other way around. But before we even get into the husband's responsibility and the wife's responsibility, it's saying submitting to one another. That's right. Right? Wives, verse 22, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you that right there is the most challenging of statements, commands. To love your wife like Christ loved the church. And lest it be misunderstood, uh, it will go on to tell us that he gave himself for it. Right? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. And then verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So there's this, uh, this, this thing, in, in the, I often say it's not 50-50. It's got to be 110% on yes. both sides. That's right. Uh, the wife submitting herself to her husband, honoring her husband. Uh, it's, it's more about the honoring than it is uh, being an obedient puppy kind of thing. This is about honor. They're to submit to one another. We've already established that in verse 21. Uh, they're submitting to one another. But honoring her husband. And a wife will find great pleasure and great reward if she will honor her husband. And a husband will find the same if he will give himself for her. These are, these are great truths that if absent from a marriage, it becomes just another 
piece of paper. It becomes just another. But, but love is much deeper, richer, and more powerful. Anything that's that powerful, it needs some control. It needs some governing, right? Amen. I mean, atom bombs are powerful. But we don't want just anybody with their finger on that button. We don't want just anybody playing with atom bombs, right? It's powerful stuff. Love is powerful stuff. And, and we want folks to understand what they're doing when they, when, they, when they marry under the sacred bond of marriage. Jesus, or, or uh, well, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That just kind of gives a little more understanding to verse, chapter 5 verse 21 through the next six eight verses there. Reverence her husband. Right? Now, this is this is great stuff and great teaching. This is this is not me, folks. This is the Bible, right? Amen. Now, I, I'm not going to go off on this this morning, and I don't make it a practice to. But we are teaching the Bible and what the Bible says, and the personal pronouns that are used here. Indicate this is not the same thing those same-sex couples may call their mate husband and wife or wife. It's not the same thing because, because for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. And the wife, toward the end, the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. Amen. Now, it is a tremendous and awesome, awesome thing marriage is. We don't want anybody to go into it blind. Examples given as I've studied uh, of a, uh, a uh, immigrant that came to the United States and uh, uh, was just somewhat oblivious and unaware, uneducated about our culture here, and got invited to a wedding shout. And very excited. Get to go to the wedding shout. Now that I'm in the United States, people on her block and her neighborhood were reaching out to her, wanted to include her, and the first opportunity was someone was getting married, and so, so uh, they decided to... Uh, invite her to a wedding show. Oh, she was so excited. But she was in utter shock when she got there to find that all of the friends were showering the, the, the bride and the groom with, with gifts. Because where she come from, they had ritual baths. And she thought she was going to one of those, a shower. She was in shock. Well, there are a lot of couples that enter into marriage mm -hmm. 
and they have a rude awakening, they have a shock coming. Because it's not what they had imagined in their minds. It's they're, they're, and, and most couples will tell you their first year of marriage is very difficult because there's adjustments that have to be made right. on both sides. And we're often not real good with adjustments. I mean, you know, children are pretty good. They, they, they're, they're wet cement. They just mold, you know, and they can, and all of that. But, you know, by the time you're, you're 21, 22, 23, or something, you know, whatever age you get married. I know some of our elders got married very young, and some folks still do today, but there are a lot of folks waiting till later. But, but you're, and the longer it is, the more set in your ways you get, and the more difficult it is. It's, it's not, it's, it's, those adjustments aren't easy enough. And, and, and I'm saying they're not easy when, when you have the best of love. It's still not easy. There's some things that, that may come as a shock to you because your expectations and your hopes and your, your, your dreams run into the reality of daily living. Can I get an amen here from amen. somebody who knows what I'm talking about? And so, so uh, it's, it's but, but those that will endure we'll find that there is great, great blessing. And love is powerful enough to conquer sickness and, and lack, and poverty, and distress, and all kind of things that, that may happen in life. Uh, a, 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 a true bond can be developed that is stronger than all of that. I may not get anywhere this morning hardly with this, because there's much that could be said, and, and I left my, my phone, which is my watch, back there. Somebody tell me what time it is. 25 after. 25 after, all right, I still got a little bit. We're on a strict schedule today because we're gonna get out of here early to get to the community center, but um, it's, it's something that needs to be talked about. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And it's so powerful that it's, it's not worthy to be compared with just natural things. That's right. Or affection for natural things. Unfortunately, in our language, we say, I love my car. I love that lazy boy recliner. I love Dumplings. That's y'all, not me. Uh, soggy biscuits. That's all it is. Uh, but, but we say we love a lot of things, and we we use the same word. But there is a vast difference between the kind of love that's for things and love in relationship, like a marriage, and and Solomon. Uh, th this is this is a a book that's been studied and talked about, and a lot of times couples go to it when looking for for examples about love and marriage and things like that. Uh, and and there are lots of theories out there about uh, you know kind of what it means and what it's about. In fact, there were a lot of there were rabbis who said it didn't need to be in the Bible <laughs> because it was too carnal. They said it had too much stuff about uh, about you know, natural love and everything. 
there were others who said, no, that's, it, it, it does belong because it, it's, uh, because it's like an, an, an allegory. It's a, the, the love and relationships to God's love for us and everything. But I think there's a, a better way of looking at it, and that is that uh, it does show the power of love in a marriage. And it shows the love of God. Amen. It shows both. And for that reason, it's one of the most sacred pieces of scripture there is. It is a tremendously powerful, powerful uh, book. Greater love hath no man than this, Jesus said, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The basis of love is selflessness. And a couple who's willing to take a deeper look at what it's all about, they'll figure out, they'll discover that the love that God had in mind, it's rooted in self-sacrifice. Laying down me for you. The greatest love that a man lay down his life for his friend, Jesus said. And so, we live in a world where people value their independence. But it's, uh, if we're, if we're going to have the kind of marriage that the Bible talks about, there is a strong commitment that has to be involved in, in that union. And God, God will bless that. And I, I believe that God wants us to have uh, all the things that the book of Solomon talks about, marital intimacy and all of that. That, that's important and that needs to be there. But there also needs to be unity of mind. Yes. Unity of spirit, you know, heart. The two shall become one. Amen. If she likes it, I like it. If she don't like it, hmm. And vice versa. And they become one. Yes. They become one together. And that is God's ideal. Now, in a world, uh, this is a question that I wanted to ask this morning. Uh, in a world that's increasingly focused on pleasing oneself, how can we show self-sacrifice in our relationships with God and with others? Focusing on ourselves more and more. I mean, an example is the... Selfies. People take these portraits of themselves, taking pictures of themselves all the time, putting them out there. Now, I, I'm not taking selfies myself, but, but there are people that are just obsessed with that. You know, we live in a world that that people think the world revolves around them. Right. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that this afternoon in our service uh, at the community center. But but we live in a world that is so self centric and and how do we in a world like that we need we need to be counterculture not just to be opposed to, to what's going on but to be firmly rooted in in God's ideal for relationships and whatever that brings us up against so be it but our model is not Sonny and share our model is not you can tell how old I am. <laughs> Uh, 
Most of the kids probably don't even know who that is. Yeah. Our model is not the latest celebrities keeping up with the Kardashians. Uh, that's, that is not our model. And in fact, uh, the Bachelorette, stuff like that. Folks think that they can just get together in a few minutes of time together, make lifetime commitments like this and find the love of their life. I'm telling you that that it, it just it gets under my skin. I don't even want to be a part of anything like Amen. that. I believe that God can help us find the person yes. that we need and not some uh, network help us find the, the mate for us. Amen. Amen. And I, I believe that God has a plan for each of our lives. And if we allow that to play out, God will provide what we need. Yes, He'll give us what we need. And we need to sanctify our marriage, the sanctity of marriage. Now, a lot of people see that as just faithfulness to one another. Right? If I say sanctity, the sanctity of marriage, we automatically think about being faithful to our vow not to break that vow with someone else. Right? That's what comes to our mind. But there's really a whole lot more to this sanctity thing in marriage than, than just that. Uh, our, our faithfulness to our spouse in meeting her needs, his needs, our faithfulness to God in this relationship that we asked him to sanction and made vows to him in, uh, there, there, there's a whole lot more to it. And if, if we want God to make this a holy and, and, and a sanctified thing, then we need, we need to, to sanctify it ourselves in the sense that, that we just don't see it as uh, two people. Valentine's Day kind of love, you know, the Cupid with his deal. But we see it as something that is of God. Amen. Something that the love of God can flow through. That can become an example in a sense of the love of God. And you know in the Old Testament when Moses smote the rock twice, he broke the tap. Christ was not going to be smitten twice. He was going to be hung one time on the cross. He broke that and because of that he didn't get to enter into the promised land because God considers it very important. When they built the temple they had to build it after the pattern showed in the mount because Hebrews tells us it's a pattern of something that's already in heaven and it had to be like that. Right? Patterns are very important. Yes. And since marriage is a type of, of God's love for the church, it puts it way up here on the scale. We have got to make sure that we sanctify that marriage, that we make it holy before God. We, we do everything we can. You know, there ought to be a spiritual aspect of this thing. I always tell couples, uh, and sometimes use an illustration. It's awesome if you can do it. You know, you take a young lady, a young man, and, and uh, you have them, uh, and, and maybe the pulpit would represent God here, and the young man's over there, and the young lady's right here, and you tell them to get closer to the pulpit, get closer to God. As they get closer to it, they become closer to one another. That's right. And if we want our relationships to be strong, particularly our marriage relationship, the closer you get to God, 
the more you sanctify your marriage, the more you, you make it a holy thing unto the Lord. And God will bless that. God will bless that, I'm telling you. Yes, tonight. Amen. And so we need to strengthen our connections to one another, honor each other like the Bible tells us to, and, and to, to sacrifice our own pride. Uh, I, I love this. If you have, if you've been studying your lesson this week, uh, talks about avoiding a complaining spirit that will kill a husband, kill a wife's spirit. There's little things like that, that that you can just do great harm and disservice to a marriage and to uh, to to that union uh, by giving your time to your to to your wife. You you can you can. And, and not only is it going to come back to, to bless you, but, but you will be at peace with yourself. The Bible says, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. When you shower love, when you, when you selflessly give to your spouse, it's going to give you peace. It's, you're, it's, it's like loving yourself. It's, it's giving a gift to yourself when you do that. Amen. And so wives are to show honor and love by submitting themselves to their husband or reverencing their husband. And the husband who really loves his wife is going to be willing to give his life for her. But, but there are a lot of folks say, I'd give my life for you. And I, sorry, I... I remember my dad telling this story. I don't know how many times. Uh, and I think it probably resonated with my dad because their courtship mostly took place by U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> my dad was in California. My mother was in Corning, Arkansas. And, of course, they knew each other. They had both lived in Corning prior to that, but dad was in California. And, uh, and so, but anyway, I've heard him tell many times about the young man that was riding to his wife. I love you so much. I would swim the ocean to see you, to be with you. I'll be over next weekend if it don't rain. <laughs> that, that is a, you know, a lot of times, we're, there are a lot of folks that say, I'd give my life for you. But they don't have five minutes. They don't have ten minutes here. That's right. I'd give my life for you, but they won't take out the trash. I'd give my life for you. They want iron clothes for one another. I'm talking about true bond of love and relationship that God has for us, and God intends for it to be a very, very special thing. Now, this this harmony that the Song of Solomon is talking about here is 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 pretty pretty awesome thing, and I know that that some of it you read it and you're like, oh my goodness, what's that talking about? And sometimes it's talking about what you think it's talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and other times it, it may not be. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, one example talking about, uh, he said, uh, you know, you were born under, uh, under the, I would say the apple tree. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a reference to uh, romanticism that, you you you're a romantic. Uh, it's 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 and so there's some of it you kind of have to deal with, you know, dig it out, study it, and all that. The Bible tells us 
that we ought to study to show ourselves approved. Right. And not just, uh, well, I can't understand that. Try to figure it out. You know, study it out. Do, read, read the whole book and try to see how it fits together and all of that. But, but the uh, Solomon loved this, this Shulamite. She was called the Shulamite. Uh, he loved her. But, and there's different ways that people have a look at what this, what, what's trying to be said here, but, uh, you know, one probable thing is that later in life, Solomon is looking back with great uh, nostalgia for his first love. Shulamite is actually the female form in Hebrew of Solomon. So, this was probably his first love. His first wife took his name. Okay? So, he's, he's later in life, and you remember that Solomon, in order to, with, with, you know, good goals, trying to bring peace to the neighbors, he does what many kings do. They marry the children of neighboring kings because he ain't going to attack his grandkids, you know. Right. And agreements are made and it brings peace. And, and, and he has the nation at heart. He wants to, he, and, and, and things do. For peace and all that seems to prevail and all that. But these marriages for purposes other than the relationship that models Christ's love for the church would probably taint his experience and his view of love. And later in life, he's looking back with nostalgia. He's got a thousand wives now, but none of them brought the feeling that that first one did. That's right. And that's kind of what this, this book is a little bit about here. His, that love didn't really stand the test of time. He went out and got otherwise. Now I know that that was legal in his time. He was king and he was the law in a sense in many ways, but God's law is higher. And, and God's design was it would be one man and one woman. And so uh, they, these things, they, they tainted his, his view and, 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 and all of that kind of, and, and I have a feeling that, that in some ways, uh, in all of his getting, Solomon lived the kind of life that a lot of people loved. I mean, he had everything. And he, anything he wanted to try, he tried it. Huh? A lot of folks, man, they'd give anything for that. It's like winning the lottery. If they had that, it'd ruin them. But, but he, he tried a lot of things. And now he's looking back. And I think there's some regret in his voice. And I think there's some, some uh, just, he wishes that it could be like it once was in his voice as he remembers how she responded to him and, and how their courtship and their love and their marriage and all of that took place. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, with all of his getting, everything Solomon had, he's looking back now and he's saying, oh, I could just give, I'd give everything to have that. Listen, listen, listen to what Proverbs 15 and 17, Solomon says, better is a dinner of herbs with love than a stalled ox in other words, an ox in the stall, hay in the barn, money in the bank, That's right. and hatred therewith. I mean, and some of y'all know what it is, Pete. Milk and cornbread and bologna. 
but have love. He said it's better. And, and really what we ought to do, what he should have done was focus more on that relationship than on getting all the stuff he was getting. Right? Right. Somebody say amen. amen. We need our elders to confirm that for our young ones that are coming up, our kids coming up. We need to confirm these kind of things. We, we need to establish these kind of things and remind them again and again. And, and so Solomon gives some pretty sound advice. He, he says, live joyfully in Ecclesiastes 9 and 9 with the wife whom thou lovest. Notice he said, the wife whom thou lovest. You have a lot of wives. The wife. Yeah. Whom thou lovest. I have a feeling that was the Shulamite. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of thy vanity. In other words, he said life is kind of vanity and all that. But, Which he hath given thee unto the Son all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest unto the Son. He said, that's your portion. That wife that you love. He said, live joyfully with her. That's that I think that's the advice of a guy who knew what it was not to heed that same advice. The wife whom thou lovest. And so all of us need to set aside time to renew and rekindle our relationships and nurture and appreciate one another. If Solomon had done that with the Shulamite. No doubt his life would have been so much more fulfilled than it was. And he wouldn't have had to look back with such nostalgia for former days and things like that. Uh, now, the Song of Solomon is also known as the Song of Songs. Huh? Now, when you think of that, you think of King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It's the superlative in the Hebrew. It's a Western man. This is the Song of Song, all songs. It, it's, a, it's lifting up this book in the, in, in the title given there and it's a masterpiece and uh, it's, it's somewhat of a lament I think but it, it, it is really really awesome awesome book his love for that little shepherd girl exceeded anything from some king's court anywhere I want to wrap this up today Time's running out. I do have a clock right here on my iPad. 10.44. My time has run out. I got one minute. All right. How many will give me, how many will give me just a couple minutes of your Amen. time right here? Amen. This is about our love for God. All right. Listen, I'm off script right now, but I'm telling you what I feel in my heart. I believe God wants our love for him to be what sustains us and Amen. keeps us. It, it's got to be more than meeting my obligations and my duties to membership, my obligations and my duties to what folks think I should be doing as a Christian. It has to be that we selflessly give. Yeah. Now, in a, in a relationship, if that's not happening, then there is, there's this, there's this, you know, feedback that you're going to get, right? <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it, right? Yes, Lord. There's this feedback you're going to get. That's not happening. 
And it can happen pretty quick and let you know. But you know what? In our relationship with God, sometimes that feedback doesn't come as easily, quickly, and as obviously. He is patient. He is long-suffering toward us. But, but listen, I mean, you come in from work, you just don't walk through the house with your dirty boots on. That won't get you love. That won't get you the, the, the relationship that you want. You learn that quick and you honor that. I, I mean, I remember when Mama had, had shag carpet and, you know, you had to sweep that carpet kind of like and, and, and you know, had a carpet rake thing that went on the front of the vacuum cleaner that kind of raked that. And, and, and Mama said, when you come in the house, you take your shoes off. That's what we did in our house. You took your shoes and you left your shoes by the door. You took them, put them in, carried them to your room and put them up. You, you, and, and that was just, that was, that was yeah. the law. <laughs> That's yeah. what you did. You understood there were consequences, right? Amen. Amen. But when it comes to living for God, because we say he's long suffering and all, we, we sometimes just don't really think about it. But, but you would do that every time you walked in that door. It didn't matter how big a hurry you was in or how, how, how much, how good that supper on the table was smelling, you took them shoes off, right? Because you learn, you learn. Amen. In our relationship with God, we need to have such a passion and desire for Him, amen, that we, we, we purpose in our hearts and things. I'm going to pray. Amen. I, I know there's a schedule. I know it's busy. I know there's stuff going on, but I am going to, I have got to preserve this awesome relationship that I have with God. It is higher than anything else. I can't talk on, to my friends on the phone and, and communicate over email and Facebook and text and Twitter and all that stuff all week long and leave God hanging. It's not going to work. It's not going to provide. And the Lord said there's going to be folks that say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name and he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. That's right. I never knew you. Huh? I'm telling you what, God, the reason he made, he, he could have chosen business partnerships as a model. He could have chosen the love of a mother for her children, uh, children for their parents. The greatest example in the, in the Bible of the love of God for his church is the love between a husband and a wife. The, that, and, that, and, and, and for that reason, we ought, to, we ought to consider that our relationship with him needs to be one that has some closeness, has some intimacy, has some communication. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. just running around doing whatever it is that they're supposed to do. Amen. You may do every, all the stuff, you know, that folks think you're supposed to do, but if you don't have a relationship with Him, if you don't talk to Him, if you don't listen to Him, sometimes, you know what? Listening in a marriage is more important than talking. That's right. That's right. Mic drop when it comes to our relationship with God, some folks, they pray every once in a while. They don't ever listen. Right. They'll do the obligatory 
prayer and Thanksgiving meal. <coughs> but they don't ever listen. They don't even know how. If you said, do you ever listen to God? They'd be like, no. What do you mean? We can teach folks how to pray. But folks need to learn how to listen. And marriage is more important to listen than it is to talk. Yes. Now there comes a time when you better do some talking. But you're in bad trouble if you don't learn how to listen. That's right. In our relationship with God, we need to have some listening time. We need to have some time that we we just we just said, Lord, I didn't come here to ask you for anything. I just want to talk with you, Lord. I want to listen to you. Lord, what are you thinking about this? What's your, what's your view on my choices I've made here, Lord? God, how do you feel about this morning? Even or the day before we were driving out of town last night, I think it was driving out of town going north, and the sun set, the clouds, and there were pinks and, and, and pastel colors all in the clouds. And, and I, I said, I said, you know, it's it's like those are cold colors. They're not warm colors. And it's cold outside. I wonder if there's any connection. I don't, I don't know how that happens or how that is decided or something. a little bit like when you say, honey, I saw the best meatloaf you ever made. Do you, what do you think that does for her? You ever, you ever talk to God like that? Lord, that's one of the most beautiful sunsets I believe I've ever seen. Talking about a relationship. Amen. Relationship's not all about you know, just just the, the the hot button topics and things. You know, are are do, do you are you winning souls to God? Are you are you using your talents for the Lord? And those are all important things, no but, but but you know what? Relationships a whole lot more. It, it, it's it's not so much about whether you're a carpenter or a or a doctor. It, it's it's not so much about whether you bring home hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or twenty five thousand dollars a year. And some have more talents and some have less. That's all the kingdom of God too and all that. We understand that. Just because you you're just because you're a one-talent person don't mean God loves you any less. That's right. Enjoy that love. Yeah. Solomon said. Have joy in that love. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel some of that joy here this morning. I just believe God loves me. Yes. And I think because he loves me, he loves it when I love things that he does. Yeah. He loves it when I when I tell him about it. He loves it when when I ask him about it. Honey, how did you how did you make that quilt? Honey, how did you how did you get that looking like that? Let me 
handle it. Man, that is that smells so good. Well, you ever talk to God like that? Hey, it's all right. It's all right. I think it'll get you a whole lot further than always coming. Honey, I need supper right now. How come you didn't give me peas? You gave me broccoli. Some of us, we complain to God. We, you know, I, I think you get a whole lot more. You gather more honey, you know, if you don't kick over the beehive. If you, you know, there's, there's certain things. You, and, and I'm talking about a relationship with God. I know we're talking about Psalm Solomon this morning. I know we're talking about marriage. And it's important to, to say those things sometimes. But, but what I really want to say this morning is, hey, let's, let's build our relationship with God. Amen. Whisper some sweet nothings to him every once in a while. Just, 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 just tell him how awesome he is every once in a while. Just, uh, just, just, uh, just, just kind of like to sit down on the couch with your wife, you know. How'd your day go? I don't know. I've ever specifically asked God, Lord, how'd your day go? <laughs> but. But I don't think I don't think it'd be a bad idea. I think the Lord the Lord wants us to to care about what He cares about, love what He loves. Amen. You may not care one thing about making quilts, but if that's what she loves, learn something about quilts. Amen. It goes for our relationship with God. Come on, let's stand together today. Amen. Well, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a good fun here today. I'll tell you.